You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited you are joining me today for another great interview to help you on your journey towards owning your career and owning your life. Today, I'm speaking with my friend, Gina Riley, who is a human resources professional who sits at the powerful convergence of career coaching, executive search, and interview skills training. She's an authority in career transition and helps leaders communicate their career stories with her career velocity system in order to help them position themselves as a business in a business. She's sought after for her thought leadership and expertise in areas of professional networking, career development, and known for her ability to make meaningful and mutual advantageous personal and professional connections. She brings 25 years of experience from Fortune 50 companies, holds a master's degree in whole systems design, and has held positions in a bunch of different companies. Um, But what I really was excited to talk to her today about was career coaching and especially making a transition. And uh, I know we talk a lot about this podcast about these general concepts of owning your career, figuring out where you want to go, um, you know, setting goals, going out and achieving those things. Um, but we don't often get into the nuts and bolts of how do you think about that career change? How do you uh, work on your resume? How do you prepare for your next job interview? And so I was excited to get Gina on to talk about some of those things. Uh, so we do talk in this process about crafting your career story. We talk about the resume. We talked about we talk about. Uh, how to approach that next interview, and uh, also how to leverage networking to get the job you want. It's a fantastic interview, and I'm excited for you to listen to it today. I also want to remind you, of course, that my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, is available now on Amazon. We have a companion journal as well to help you track progress towards your goals. Uh, Gina, our guest today, has read the book and endorsed it and left a review and um, is using it to uh, give to her clients as well to help them own their careers as part of the whole process when she works with them, which I was really excited to hear about. Not something I asked her to do. She just told me that's what she's going to do because she loves my book so much, which was really flattering to hear from an expert career coach like Gina. So if you haven't read the book yet, make sure you go get yourself a copy. We also have bonus resources uh, and a link to our Facebook community at ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. So just go to our website. You can buy the book there. You can join our Facebook community. You can get bonus resources, including the top five uh, career mistakes that people make and how to own your career. That's all at ownyourcareerownyourlife.com. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Gina Riley on career transitions. Gina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to have you here. This is, it, it feels like it's a long time coming. And we connected on LinkedIn, I believe, through Mary Henderson originally. I think we were both featured in her authority uh, magazine that she puts out once a week. Uh, and which I now have hanging on my wall behind me. <laughs> See that? Um, and I uh, started chatting and, and just knew right away we had a great connection. And I was looking forward to talking to you. And you've been very supportive of my book with the launch and everything. Uh, and you know, I don't know if I've told you, but that has meant a lot to me. Of course, I'm grateful for everybody who has supported my book launch over the last few weeks. But from someone who I consider you know, a career coach who is really an expert in the career realm for you to say nice things and support the launch means a lot to me because I don't come from that background. Well, you you were 
explaining how you were living your own career and going through your own journey. And I think that the honesty that you've um, woven into the storytelling should be inspirational for other people. And, you know, it, it, people can look at what you're doing now and think it's easy or it was easy mm. for whatever the reasons, whatever the outside, um, you know, perceptions might be. But the reality is most of us, when we hit career transition, when, when we're confronted with it and we're not ready, we all feel um, a hit to our ego and we all feel like we're a little lost and we don't know where to start. And frankly, we've not been taught how to do this stuff in school. Yeah. And I've been lost many times in my career. Uh, and so I, I basically wrote this for my younger self, right? To help people that are going through that journey. So speaking of that, I want to get into uh, career transitions and how to manage those, how you help clients manage those things, how they you help clients approach getting that next job or finding that next career. But I want to start with your background because I'm, I'm sure that it was a, an interesting road to get to where you are. Um, how did you end up doing what you do today and, and, and what do you do today? I don't know if it's interesting, but we all have our own journey. That's right, we do. Uh, early career was coming out of school with a communication degree, studying organizational development, organizational communication, went the path of human resources because what I really wanted to do was be like a corporate trainer. But back when I was entering the workforce, that, that wasn't a very defined thing yet. It was very hard for me to figure it out. Uh, I worked at Intel Corporation for about a decade and uh, hit the staffing world. Uh, I did training and development and uh, worked on getting a master's degree while I was there so I could be an HR business partner. So I, I hit a couple areas of HR and I got to do what I really loved. I got to be in front of groups. I got to do training. I got to be a business partner with VPs that were doing some amazing things with new businesses inside of Intel. Then I had two sons and we were a two parent family with two parents working at Intel. And Intel has a reputation for having a lot of type A people. I would be one of them who uh, never quit, never say die. And so I decided I needed to take that energy and be the best mom that I could so that I wouldn't fall on my face with one or the other. So I, I left the workforce for 15 years, which is a long time. So I, I hope I can provide some inspiration for other parents that have chosen or have been able to stay home. And then I went back to work very slowly with um, my friend, Sherry Kidzowan, who owns her an executive search firm called Talents Group based here in Portland. We do nationwide search. And she started luring me back. Hey, come do executive search for me. And I was like, I don't want to be a recruiter. Recruiting isn't my passion. So I started working with her on projects, working on her, her branding with her team. And eventually she talked me into doing some executive level recruitments. And then she said, hey, we need a career transition um, program, something to help people that call me up and, and want to chat with us about resume development, career transition, job search. So I spent a couple months doing that. I built that for Talents Group. And then I realized, as you probably know too now, there's so much more than building just a resume and having a couple little conversations about career transition, especially if you're an executive with 30 years of experience and you haven't had to look before. 
So I spent two more years plus just going deep, developing relationships all across LinkedIn, going to conferences, meeting some of the best people that I could who are, are experts in branding, career transition, resume development. And then I built the program that I have today and launched my own website, Gina Riley Consulting. And I call my program Career Velocity, which is a system to help people from starting from scratch. Who are you? What do you do? You know, what do you have to offer? And moving through a whole system to get out to the other end where you feel confident about networking. And my whole program is really to help people interview better because you should never start with the resume and then interviews. You got to start with who you are. I like that. I mean, really taking into account who people are, what they want to do, where they want to go, and then thinking through the whole process, not just a resume, because a resume is not going to get you a job, it gets you an interview maybe, uh, but then you've got to approach that interview. Um, I'm excited to dig into that. I want to go back to one turning point in your career where you are working 10 years in Intel. You mentioned being a kind of type A, um, really ambitious type person. And for you to jump out of the workforce and go run your family and raise your sons, that's a decision that many parents face, right? It, it's more the, the woman, the, the mother that is making that difficult decision. And I know a lot of people say that they surprise themselves with the decision to either stay at work or stay at, go home, right? Um, but still, that had to be a very difficult decision. Um, how did you make that decision uh, and, and leave something that you know you, it was like a big part of your life? I haven't been asked that question before. It was very difficult. I, it, that gut-wrenching because I had earned the master's degree. I'd been an HR business partner for an incredible VP who went off to do bigger, better things outside of Intel. And then I was, I had landed in a, a three-quarter time training job where I was developing training for a larger part of Intel. And to leave was, you know, it cost me some tears because I had earned the spot that I was really gunning for from the moment I stepped on my campus at college. That's what I had kind of dreamed of. But um, what I would say is I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't do both in a very excellent way. Mm. And then the other thing is hindsight's 2020. You don't know who your children are going to be and who, you know, you don't know what their development process is. And so a lot of people you know, learn that along the way, or you, you have a child on the front end who, who needs a lot more attention, right. When you, when you have them. So for me, it actually was a really great thing to be at home because I could really help, really help them develop. And then I also used my expertise in training and people development and org development in the schools that my children were in. So mm -hmm. I, I used my, my time and my talent to make an impact on our school district, to build relationships you know, locally, being on the PTO. Those are not lightweight positions when you have really large schools you know, yeah. full of 2,400 kids at your high school. Right. So I was doing you know, a lot of things, but my husband ultimately, probably to answer your question better, I, I ended up getting breast cancer when my oldest son was a sophomore in, in high school. And when I got through it and I'm fine and we'll care, you know, everything's great. Now my husband looked at me and said, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to go make your mark? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, maybe, maybe I do. Um, and clearly once I got going, there was a lot of fire still yeah. left. 
I can tell it's, it's yeah. there. Um, for, I know this is a very deeply personal decision to make, right? But for parents, especially women who are potentially facing that or thinking about it, what do you typically advise them to think about in terms of like which way they should go? It's really challenging. I'm, I'm actually working with two women right now who are being a part of a pilot boot camp where I'm hoping to have a differentiated product for career velocity. And, and what we're doing is we're, we're unpacking everything that we do in my program tailored and customized to someone, you know, who isn't necessarily talking at that senior level. And, and we're trying to figure out what they're best at, what they're known for, what, what's, what's their zone of genius as Mary Henderson would say. Hmm. And then once we get through uncovering all the things they were doing before they had children, and then they needed to step out, we'll, we'll be customizing their networking approach approach based on what they know how to do well and what their interests are. And that's, that's my recommendation is to go through a process and have a strategy. Don't enter it without some kind of plan. First, know what you're good at, mm. know where you've been and know in general, what kinds of targets that you want to, you know, attack. So what industries, what organizations, is it nonprofit? Is it small? Is it large? Then you need a strategy for networking to uncover and unpack what's going on in those organizations to see where someone like you could fit. It is not easy for someone re-entering the workforce cold to just land in, in an ideal job. And yeah. so I believe with all my heart, the best thing to do is to network yourself into those positions through informational interviews. I like that. I'm a big fan and advocate of using that approach. Um, as you know, from reading my book as well, the informational interviews have definitely served me well. So yeah, difficult decision, but obviously very personal. I would imagine it's changed a little bit, maybe gotten easier over the years now that organizations are giving parents more time off, more flexibility, more options. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think we have the highest percentage of dual income households in the history of America, right? So there are many, many families um, dealing with challenges around parents working, kids being in school, uh, and now everybody being home too, right? In many, in many areas, it's, uh, it's like a perfect storm. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, speaking of storms, uh, 2020 has been challenging there. Uh, you know, in addition to the pandemic, I know many people who have been laid off, who have lost jobs which is always an opportunity to go look for something new, right? And that means you got to start thinking about that career transition, that move to something else. So um, let's start, especially with those who have been laid off. So I'm sure you work with some of those people. Um, mm -hmm. How do you approach them? And what's that process look like to start thinking about, okay, what's next now that I've lost this job that maybe was a surprise. I was planning on being there for a while. Well, the first thing that, that we do is we go back to the basics. We, we unpack what it is that they have to offer, which is a combination of the who you are, what, what you know how to do, why you do it. And I use the UMAP career profile assessment to do that because it's, it's, that's the tool I use and I'm certified to use that. And then what we do is we deeply unpack their career chronology and I've developed a, a, a spreadsheet that's 40 across. And so what happens is when going through this process where you're able to articulate exactly how you uniquely show up and what in the past you've 
delivered on, what results you know how to get, then you can take that and look at what your interests are and start to align them with what's going on in the landscape. And then the real work begins, which is investigating, calling people, reaching out, connecting on LinkedIn, um, and, and really having rich conversations with people in your network to figure out and unpack where that next golden you know, opportunity will, will arise. Yeah. And for people who are employed and maybe thinking, okay, I, I want to do something different. Um, do you take any different approach or is it pretty much the same thing? No, I have a very similar approach. And, you know, when I first get on the phone with folks and, and I'll ask them, do, can you tell me what your top strengths are? And most of the time they'll start with, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm really great at strategy and team development. And I, I hit my timelines on, you know, I'm on schedule, et cetera. And I'll say, no, 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 those are, those are skills that you have. Yeah. Those are the things you know how to do. You know how to develop people yeah. or you know how to come in on time, on budget with mm. a schedule. What your strengths are is how you do it how you do what you do. And when we start there, we peel back all the layers of the onion and we start with how are you going to show up when you do that team development? Now I know why you are uniquely qualified to do what you do and how you do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So getting away from, I mean, and the skills are important, right? Like I know mm -hmm. how to use Microsoft Excel and I know how to manage people. And like those skills are very important but taking it back a step and saying, what are your strengths? Because then you could leverage those to expand in other things. And most likely if people have a strength in something, it's typically, right. It's something they enjoy doing as well. So if you can kind of double down, not always, but most of the time you can kind of double down on that and find a job that leverages your strengths. You're going to be happier and more fulfilled too. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm working with um, a former Nike executive right now who is a top brand expert and she's in transition. Uh, and what we've done is we've had to unpack a very complex career story story so that she's able to talk about all of this in, in, in interviews or informational interviews, if you will. But we started with who she was and how she does it. And through all of the storytelling, we're able to say, okay, when you show up and you develop these cross-functional cross-global teams, some of whom that you don't have position power over and you're able to get these incredible, incredible results. She does it through her strength of individualization because she customizes her approach with every person. She deeply, she deeply not only believes in it, that's how she's getting the best out of people. And she's a relator while she's also very strategic. So we're able to build her story out. So she's able to say, hey, when, when you hire me, I'm not only going to be looking way out into the future, I can bring it all the way back and customize how I deliver my messages for each of the people to get them on board and to leverage their individual strengths. That's how she uniquely shows up and we're able to tell that story. Uh, I like that. So can you tell a little bit more about telling the story? Because I've heard this from a, a couple different um, really great career coaches like you, that it's important to understand what is your career story? What is your story? And I'm sure that factors into how you approach the, the resume and especially the interview as well, right? Absolutely. The resume, again, it's a marketing document and it's an important marketing document. But once you get your foot in the door, it's very rarely scrutinized 
to any, to any extent. So that's why my emphasis isn't on the perfect, most beautiful resume. The resume that my clients and I come up with is a repository of all the right information, all the high impact statements. So they can swap out keywords and to tailor and customize it, you know, as you go. Uh, But telling your story is really, (laughs) when someone says, Hey, Andy, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What, you know, which is the first thing most people ask in an interview. I had a client two weeks ago. She called me up and said, Hey, this is working. I got asked, tell me about yourself. And I didn't even have to think about it because we've gone over it and over it through all of the ways that, you know, all the conversations I'm having with them, I'm taking all of the, I do a discovery interview with all Mm. of my, uh, with all of my clients and it takes at least two hours and then I rewrite it for them. So it goes from 10 pages to two to three, and then I read it to them. And when they hear it, they're, they're thinking, Oh, those are the high points. When they get to do the discovery, they get to, it's a verbal vomit. They're tripping over themselves. They're, they're giving me details that literally my eyes are kind of rolling back sometimes and, you know, and they know it. We, I mean, it's, we have an, it's an honest relationship, right? So, but when we get done and I strip it down and I say, here's what I think is important. If a recruiter called you, or if you're talking to a hiring team and they can see the slimmed down version, that's the career story. This is how I got from point A to point B. And now I understand you. And that's why I start with when I was in school, I studied communication or communication. I thought I was going to go into training. I ended up there then, you know, and then what happened? Right. Right. It's it's funny how we know we're going to get asked that question yet. Most of us are not really well prepared for it. Myself included. I get asked it all the time and I do so many different things. I'm always stumbling over it. So for people uh, listening who uh, you, maybe they're not going to hire you. I, I think they should. Right. But um, they want to do this on their own. I want to craft my own career story. What, what's the first thing they should really be thinking about doing? Uh, the first thing that I, I would do if I were them is to first figure out the who, the why, the what, the how you do what you do. Two, I would unpack your career chronology is what I call it. What have you done all throughout your career where you've had high impact results and you start connecting the two together. What are the dots that you can connect together? What are the themes and patterns? And also where were you in your sweet spot? Where did you win awards along the way or or were you recognized or did you get promotions because you were in that genius zone, if you will. Then go ahead and type out your whole story and then start to connect you know, what those high points are and then get someone that you trust to read what you've written or, or read it out loud to them. So you can hear it here, Andy, this is like the worst thing that someone can do going into an interview. And I've as a recruiter, I've had this happen when I have 60 minutes and I say, Hey, Andy, tell me about yourself. And you spend 20 minutes of the 60 on that first phone call, telling me about yourself with a long meandering story we've just wasted a third of the time where I could have been talking about your skills. Yeah, that would be annoying to me. That would be frustrating to me because I want to use that time to ask questions and, and learn about you. And uh, you just took all the time. So, uh, so craft the story, think about the who, what, where, when, the story arc, type it all out, and then find ways to cut it down so you can speak for what, I mean, let's get into the interview process. You're approaching. I say, I say like five minutes, three to five minutes, boom, try to shore it up. 
Okay. So three to five minutes. So when you're approaching the interview and I never got very good training on this and luckily I run my own business now and I hopefully will never be interviewing for a job again, but we're almost always interviewing, right? We're, we're talking to people and people are, are gauging, you know, if they'd want to work with us or be our friend or whatever. Um, yeah. When you're approaching that interview, so starting with, you need to know how you're going to answer that question. What's the next thing to think about? After you do the, tell me about yourself. Yeah. Well, I like to think that an interview, an interviewer is prepared and ready to be the guide in the interview process. The reality is most people don't know how to interview well, even if they're senior and they've done it hundreds of times. I've, I actually, for talents group, I teach interview skills training to, to managers and supervisors to craft effective questions so that they're able to unpack people's past experiences and get to their skills. So what I'm recommending to the people that I coach is you need to be prepared for people who don't conduct really good quality interviews. You need to be prepared for when you get a question that's very generic and pulled off the shelf. Tell me about a time when you had a difficult situation and you can't figure out how it ties to the job. I recommend saying, hey, could you give me could you align this with maybe one of the skills I might need to use on the job? Or can you tell me about a situation where that might happen here? And then I'm, I'll be able to better tell you one of my stories. So try to get some alignment there and try to gently, you know, take control to where you're able to showcase your skills. And when we say showcase your skills, your, your functional or technical skills and your behavioral skills, which is how you're going to do what you do. So yeah, not just the technical skills, but the, the, the strengths and the behavioral skills, how will you do this stuff, which also shows them that you're capable of maybe learning new skills, doing different things that maybe you haven't done in the past. What should be the goal if I'm going into an interview? Obviously my goal is I want to try to get a job offer, right? But like, what's the goal? What, what should we be thinking about um, making sure that we hit some of those things that you talked about? Anything else that we should keep in mind for a job interview? Yes. Do your homework. You, you should be the most prepared candidate going through that process. You should be Googling, you should be pulling up company reports. You should be uh, looking up some of the key players on LinkedIn or in the press, in the media. Have they been on podcasts? Do they write articles? You need to look six ways from Sunday about what could impact this job, however big or small, so that you're able to ask intelligent, questions and you can make sure you have alignment with what you want, with what that job is actually supposed to be. Mm, yeah. So important. You also, I know you're big on networking like I am as well. When you get a job interview, are you recommending people do some networking leading up to that? Maybe trying to connect with some people inside the organization. Um, and is there a situation where that can maybe go too far? I'm sure that I'm absolutely sure there's a way for it to go too far. Uh, <laughs> but what I would say is yes. Um, if I was a candidate and I was going to interview with Acme Incorporated and I, you know, and I had a recruiter that reach out to me and I have that contact and then I know who the hiring manager is because I've already, they've already been introducing me and maybe I had a phone screen. I would already have been connecting with them. Hey, recruiter, I'm so glad that we connected today. Um, I want to make sure that we're connected on LinkedIn. You know, and the same with the hiring manager. Thank you so much for your time with the phone screen today. I'm very excited to move forward in this process. Let me know if there's anything 
you know, else you need in the meantime. Yeah. If you can uncover, you know, some people on the hiring team and it doesn't feel like you're um, mining too deep, you could also connect with, once it's public, like they're like, oh, here's your hire interview team, right? It's these four people you'll be meeting with ABCD, go ahead and connect with them too. Because even if this job situation doesn't work out, we're all connected by three degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. So as a recruiter, when I go to market and I start mining through LinkedIn to try to, you know, find viable candidates, it's three degrees out from there. So you and I are first degrees connected, right? Yeah. But now I have three more degrees beyond that from you right. to, for my reach. So you want to be connected to recruiters, even if you're not going to be interacting with them. Yeah. And you could also leverage uh, people in your network, right? And make introductions. Um, I had uh, a, a friend from business school reach out to me the other day on LinkedIn. I hadn't talked to her in, in over 10 years. And she said, I'm interviewing for this job. It looks like you're connected with the hiring manager. Uh, it looks like you worked with him at this old company. And it's true, I had. And I hadn't talked to him in 15 years. But I was like, oh, sure, I'll help you out. And I sent him a message and said, hey, my friend is interviewing for this job. She wanted to give you a heads up. And and she's really great. And, you know, I, I don't know if it, where it went, if she got the job or not, but you know, your friends are often likely willing to help if you're willing to reach out. Right. And that's what it's all about. And she wasn't asking anything more than just making sure that person saw her yes. coming through the pipeline. And that's what we want. I'm working with a client right now who um, is having a difficult time getting to that hiring manager. The there's three jobs that she could be qualified for Two, She got the, a standard rejection letter. Hmm. And, and so I'm like, you got to get on your networking horse and write it hard and fast for that last one that they have open. Because if that recruiter doesn't call you and they shut that down, they hire someone yep. you're done. So yep. what do you have to lose? So she's got to go back through her graduate program, the professor that knows the hiring manager, and she's doing it, but that is the way to do it. You can't sit back and expect, maybe someone will call me. If you're a non-traditional candidate and they can't really see it on the paper, it's not always easy to hmm. customize and tailor it to where you actually get a phone call, right? Yeah. You have to network. You have to at least be seen. Do you, when you're working with, uh, with clients, we talked about the importance of networking and getting that resume right and, and nailing the interview. Um, do you talk to them about building a brand as well uh, along the way, creating any, you know, posting any content or LinkedIn on anything like that, that, that could be helpful? While I don't say, hey, we're going to build your brand, I don't specifically say that. What I do at the end of my program is the last thing we do is we talk about thought leadership. Mm. And what I mean by thought leadership, because I'm working sometimes with people who are quite introverted, that's kind of why they're working with me is they've kind of kept things a little close to the chest. Mm -hmm. So we talk about what are your lanes of thought leadership and lanes of knowledge? What do people call you and what are you known for? Maybe it's one specific thing. Maybe it's three, three different things. If you were to be asked to speak in front of a technical group, what's that lane of expertise? Or if you have you know, some thought leadership about a specific thing on leadership, what is it? And finding ways to showcase that, whether that's starting with just simply commenting on people's posts that are talking about that area yeah. of expertise. Maybe it's writing a short form LinkedIn post as a toe in the water. Maybe it's an article to at least have something that's living on your profile for a while. Maybe it's trying to get an article published at a major magazine. 
or talking to the press or being on a podcast. There's gotta be different ways you can showcase your expertise without having to go from zero to a TED talk. Yeah, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. All right. Last question for you, Gina, my book and this podcast have the same name, own your career, own your life. I know you've read it. Um, but when you heard that title or when you hear that title, own your career, own your life, what does that mean to you? Well, the first thing that I think of is yes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, no, one, like you say in this book, no one will care about your career as much as you do. People are not sitting around thinking about you. Right. And I, I'm in the middle of working on an article right now. It's called when the executive job finds you. And it's really to showcase my theory that the best jobs, especially for leaders and execs, are uncovered through the power of networking. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, what I would say, what I learned is one of the VCs I chatted with said, you know, once I have a networking phone call, it's on you to keep that fire burning, send me an email next week and, or next month or next year. And just tell me what's going on. Once I get off the phone, it's not that I don't like you. It's like, I got 50 other things going on. I'm trying to pay my bills, run my family and run this huge business. And I'm not following you. Right. Yep. So you got to own it. You got to take responsibility for that process. You got to own it. No one's going to do it for you. Gina, this has been fantastic. Um, for anybody listening who wants to um, learn more about what you do, I know you're on LinkedIn. Uh, where else can people go? Uh, primarily I, I'm living on LinkedIn. I'm there every day. And also Gina Riley consulting.com is where my model for career velocity system is housed. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, advice and information and some free re resources there too, for people that just want to get their toe in the water. And, um, you know, it's a non-committal kind of thing. Awesome. I love it. We'll throw that in the show notes. And of course, uh, if you liked what you heard today, make sure you go connect with Gina on LinkedIn. I'm uh, looking forward to that new, that article coming out soon and really appreciate everything that you came on and talked about today. Really helpful to think through the whole process of transition of going out and getting that new job. So thanks again for coming on the show, Gina. Thanks. One last thing, Andy, I yep. always recommend if you reach out to people on LinkedIn to do a connection request, let them know why. Yes. So if you heard Andy and I on the podcast say, Hey, I heard John Andy's podcast would love to connect. Then I know why, because yes. I don't know about you. A lot of us, especially who are coaches, we get a lot of sales yes. pitches. Yes. Um, and so just say why just, it doesn't have to be long, but just take two seconds to personalize it. Yes. I got one of those today. Somebody who heard me on another podcast and reached out and customized their, personalized their uh, message. And I really appreciated it. Now I know where they came from. So yeah. always personalize that connection request, leaving with oh. words of wisdom. All right. Thank you so much, Gina. Take care. Thank you.